Hello and welcome to Launch Left. I'm Rain Phoenix. And I'm Summer Phoenix. And this is Danita Sparks sitting across from us from the legendary band L7. That's right. Thanks for having me, gals. Thanks, Thanks for being out. here. I appreciate it. We're Green so eyes. happy. I know, gorgeous eyes. But I didn't get the theme song. I don't oh. get the theme song. We, I don't reach the theme song. Or do uh, you guys do that like after? No, it's I, actually I don't have a piano here. Yeah, so she, oh, piano. I, was, she was I did supposed some to sing operatic it, singing. Yeah. We like to talk over each other. I know. I, to I do too. It's, good. it's a mess. Please, comment, this is all mess. about you today. Talk over us. You and your launched artist. So please feel free. Okay. Welcome to the show. Uh, what an honor, really, to sit across from you. I, I remember L7 from when I was, you know, early, late teens, I guess. And I specifically remember a a story of you coming to Gainesville when my band Alex Attic with River was playing and rehearsing um, and that we saw you. And I believe you you mentioned this to me or someone else in the band said that you came back to the house and had dinner, which I don't remember. He doesn't remember anything, though, so don't. I barely remember it because it was very surreal. your brother was it? You were at the show too? No. Yeah, I think so. Were you? I remember, or maybe I was. Yeah, because I had a fake ID. I'm sure I was. Oh, well, your brother was there for sure, and uh, you probably were too. But um, your brother invited us to your guy's house to have like dinner after sound check or something weird. Yeah. You had a long As table. Would and uh, yeah, so that was a trip because you know he. I don't think he was a mega star then. But he was like, definitely hot shit. Right. And it was like, oh my God, River Phoenix is here. And it was very exciting. And uh, Was that at the hardback? Did you, do you remember? I don't remember. It was like a punk, cool. There was only one. I mean, there was one kind venue. Of, they must have played of. the hardback. The hardback was the place to play for sure um, at that time. And I think it was because I, I have, like you, very scattered memories. Yeah. But I remember this mess of hot rocker girls at some point in that time. Yes. And it was you and I know it was you because I remember my brother talking about you guys too. So Yeah. So that was that was how we really met the first time. Summer was probably 11. You were 8 and I was 7. Right. That's right. Oh. We like to do spinal taps stuff, oh, you know? Nice. Nice. So you're a year apart. No. Yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> She's the baby. She's well, we're I'm 5 years older. Oh, you're the baby. Yeah. Yeah, but I've had children and she hasn't. Ah, so. uh, okay. So you you get so, to be so it looks like there's less than five years between us, but in fact, but yeah, got it. Anyway, children will do that, but they look do fantastic. so many, uh, so many wonderful things as well. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I'm just gonna. I'm going through the changes. Focus. Okay. Oh, are you having a? Okay, we're not going <laughs> to talk about. It. Oh my god, I can see. Are you getting the vapors? Yep. All right. It's happening right uh-huh. now, in front of everyone. It feels good. Yeah. Feels good. Um, Well, that was cool. That was a cool way to meet you. But but I'm curious uh, about some of, I know you just put out a record. Yes. Pretty recently. We put out a record and you were at the record release party. That's right. I was there. You were there. I flew in for it. That's where I I changed my ticket for that. Did you? Yeah. Oh, that's so nice. I did. That uh, we had a record release party at the Monty in Los Angeles for our new record, Scatter the Rats. And... uh, Rain was there <laughs> with our producer, Norm Block. Normita. Normita. Yes. Normita. Yeah, he produced it, and uh, Nick Lane produced a couple tracks on it as well. So It's really uh, good, by the way. Thank Listen you. Listen to it. 
it's really rad. Thank you. It's yeah. Can time- I hear a little bit about the title of the of the record? Um, well, we called it Scatter the Rats because it, it has many meanings, mm-hmm. but the literal meaning was that Norm had a couple rats in his basement. <laughs> and so when, we, when, when the band would get to talking too much and wasting too much time, he'd say, come on, let's get rocking. We've got to scatter the rat. We've got to scatter those rats, you know? And he didn't know how many he had in the basement because uh, the amplifiers were in the, in the basement, the, the speakers. So we, were, we would be up in the living room, but the amplification was in the basement. So his whole thing was to get rocking and scatter those rats. And I would, so I jotted it down and I said, how about we, let's write a song called Scatter the Rats. And so uh, that was kind of cool because each, each one of the singers in L7, there are three of us, and we each took a verse, but we, the rule was we could not hear what the other person's verse was. So everybody had a different melody for their verse, and everybody had a different lyrical take on what Scatter the Rats That's meant. great. Yeah, it was cool. Like, we actually, like, okay, you guys go out into the backyard, plug your ears, and, like, you're not going to hear what I'm doing. And then we each did that. So it was... It's like it was, exquisite corpse of songwriting. It you was know, pretty that cool. that game where people draw one limb and then close it, and the next person draws the next body part? And no. And it's like a whole... Yeah, How it's do you exquisite. know of the... Because uh, wa- I'm, you know, had this idea, I'm not going to say it on air, because yeah, then someone right. will take it, but... Anyway, well, uh, maybe our next record we can could be called Exquisite Corpse. Nice. Yeah, I love that. And then it was a friend of mine who told me that's called Exquisite Corpse because I was like, "How did? What's that name? I love." Wow. So that's that's Scatter the Rats. That one song on the record, and we called the whole thing Scatter the Rats. So because it means so many things in these political cultural times. Yeah. To, there are so many rats. To, that we must get to scattering. Very good point. That it kind of worked. <laughs> it did. So. Was that fun working with Norm and uh, having, like, I love his studio. We've worked there a few times. It's great. Yeah, you know, I've always wanted that studio, like house studio and Silver Lake vibe. I've lived in Silver Lake Echo Park since 1985. Wow. And I've never had that experience of working out of somebody's house, you know. So uh, finally found him. And it was it was really really great, and uh, you know, so many times, it, me being sort of an East Sider, I would always have to drive out to Sound City in the Valley or drive into Hollywood and go to you know, not that I'm complaining about being in those fabulous studios, but um, you know, it was really cool to be blocks away from Norm, and with his Pitbull Sadie and sexy Shady as we would call her, and. Uh, <laughs> And hang out with Norm. Yeah. So it was great. Speaking of Norm, Lauren Rocket, who I think uh, connected you guys originally or told Norm, like, you should you should talk to L7 or something, uh, had a couple questions for you. She's been a longtime fan, as you know. Okay. Um, and she was in the all-girl band called Rocket in, yes. as well. And uh so she had a couple questions she thought to ask you. Would you be open to answering I them? would be open to anything okay. from Lauren. Great. Blocks away from Norm Block. Let's go. <laughs> All right. Well, the first one was, who were her inspirations and the first record she bought? Uh, the first record I ever bought, which my older sister was mortified when I bought it, was the Partridge Family's first album. So I was in second grade. I love it. My sister hid 
from me at uh, it was a store called Corvettes, which was pre Kmart, and uh, they had a record department, and I bought that, and she was mortified. And then the second album I bought was Shanana. <laughs> But uh, so I was cool. fortunate enough to have older sisters who had really great taste in music. So, like, uh, you know, of course, the Beatles and the Stones and the Monkees, and then later Bowie and uh, Bob Marley and Velvet Underground and all that stuff. So I, I pretty much scored in that department. Mm-hmm. Uh, so my influences, you know... I. I would say when I heard the Ramones for the first time, that just blew everything out of the water because I thought it was so youthful and had such energy. And it didn't sound like it was made for 30-year-olds. It sounded like it was made for teenagers. And I really needed that at the time. So, uh, you know, and another great thing about the Ramones is that... As, just going to button up a little bit. As soon as you learn a bar chord, you know, you can play all the Ramones songs. So it's like, you know, they're like the perfect band. Mm -hmm. They're catchy. They're fast. They're youthful. They're demented. And uh, yeah, so that was a huge. Long live the Ramones. That's right. Huge influence. When did you? I had this has probably been asked before, but adding in on Lauren's question. Oh yeah, I forgot. Sorry, I want your. No, I just wanted to know. um, You know, when you finally formed your band, L Seven. Like, if you guys all agreed on your influences, you know, if it, if it felt like a collective, um, you know, that you were influenced by the same sound. You're not going to believe this, but that's the first time I've ever heard that question, which is really <laughs> right on. Because it is so true. You know, we weren't childhood mates. Mm-hmm. We, um, there were so few women playing rock and roll at that time, especially punk rockers who wanted to do hard rock as kind of a shtick, but also who liked hard rock. Because uh, we were we were from the art punk scene. We weren't from the hardcore scene. We weren't from, you know, we, we were, you know, hanging out with people who worked at the LA Weekly like we did. So um, we were very different people with very different influences. Mm-hmm. And yet we all came together for the rock were very different personality types and uh you know i would say that i kind of brought um uh i liked stuff like the b-52s and the ramones and stuff like that Susie liked some heavier stuff um you know she had maybe a little more hard rock influence than i did and i had a little more punk rock influence than she did so we were sort of created the blueprint for the band do you think that your differences are part of like what broke you guys up and or also brought you back together? These are just things I'm curious about. I mean, that's all yeah, that's yeah, yeah. I'm asking. No, you know, um, really what broke us apart, you know, we, we had a career that was like uh, about 15 years long the first time mm-hmm. and it was five years of struggle and then we were hot shit and then the, de- the decline happened. Mm-hmm. So it was, you know, we got, a, we got four years, five years of being, you know, popular never sold a million records or anything but and then there was a decline so it's like uh and the decline when there's no money it breaks up marriages it breaks up bands it breaks up all kinds of relationships so that's what happened with us we had no support system our label dropped us we fired our manager uh we just had ourselves, and we were all struggling financially, and we were hitting, you know, we were rounding the bend towards 40, and it was like, wow, we don't have health insurance, we don't have shit, you know? So um, that 
broke up the band. So the artist lament. Yes. Yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. No, and it's so it's so uh and you see some of your peers uh fall behind you and you see some of your f- peers advance far in front of you mm-hmm. and it's uh you know, show business is a is a weird thing because like you know, punk rock is in my opinion, I mean, it's part of show business. It just is. No, even if you're from the underground, even if you're from the art scene or whatever, it eventually becomes show business. And uh, it's it's a it's a bitch of a business. Well, you pulled yourselves. The other part of the question is here you ba- here you are. You've come back around. That's right. Welcome back. Thank you. Back. So happy to have you. We came back to bitch. Yes, I, saw, I, I love, love that. We have a single called "I Came Back to Bitch," and because there is so much to bitch about, there's not only rats to scatter. There's plenty to bitch about, and uh, that's that's sort of the sentiment. And uh, I think that people were ready to have us bitch about stuff. And even though that's not what our whole record is, it's just kind of our gestalt mm-hmm. that our people who like we're just a band that. Uh, you know, has always been um, kicking against things, you know. It's a good place to be. It is. That, that aligns perfectly with Launch Left. We're very happy about it. There you go. See? <laughs> we believe in that. Mm-hmm. We believe in that big time. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, one more question for Miss Lauren. Why did you decide to have an all-female band? Was it intentional? Um, we did not decide to have an all-female band. Our, our first drummer was a guy named Roy. And uh, we had to get rid of him eventually because... Um, he had a penis. Yeah, that was my... <laughs> he had a penis. No, well, you know, here's no. the thing. Roy was very sweet, but when he got wasted, he would start calling us bitches and cunts. Uh-huh. And, but the... Which we could handle. We can handle <laughs> those arrows at times, even though it was, you know, whatever. Because norm, normally he'd be sweet, but... Split personality. Sounds yeah, like Yeah, you know, it was... Party, party. Uh, it was it was beer. Jekyll and Hyde. I, yeah. I can relate. Yeah, Jekyll and Hyde. And uh, but he uh, refused to play a gay bar, and so that was it. Wow. Yeah, it was. Yeah, that's there, there that ridiculous. Go. Yeah, like it was like nineteen eighty-five. Roy great. Why did you get rid of him? Yeah, Roy was. <laughs> I mean, yeah, he was something else. But um, and so he refused to play this gay bar that we were playing at, and it was like that's it. Yeah. He's out. He's you know. So. Um, uh, that's he was not from the art punk scene he was just kind of a metalhead you know but uh we were so desperate for a drummer that we had to go to metalheads and and have them play with us you know but then once he was out of the band i was adamant that it would be all female we've got to find a chick on drums because it was just you know it made sense for the um presentation it made sense uh you know Anybody playing rock back then who was a woman is definitely a tough cookie, but you know, there's there's none of that um, sexist dynamic going on. Right. You know? Right. That's a good point. It's just a yeah, yeah. Every levels safe. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Right. Safe place for you guys all to be together. No matter yeah. What. It never got to that weirdness. Mm-hmm. You know, it, to that yeah. that kind of 
hatred, you know, that weirdness. But uh, how about uh, touring? Uh, did you guys have like a whole crew and dudes with and feel, you know, or did you guys rock it out on your own in a van? We rocked it out on our own in a van for years mm-hmm. and um, moved our own gear, all that stuff, dealt with promoters, you know, it was, it was pretty interesting times. It was pretty crazy. Um, and then kind of, we did a record with Epitaph, and then when we did a, a, a record with Sub Pop, that's when our world kind of expanded because they were getting to be um, hot up there in Seattle, and what what was to become called grunge was bubbling up, mm. and we sounded kind of grungy. We were punk with, with metal kind of mixed, and... Um, so that's when yeah, things started to explode. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. So we got lucky with that. And then and they got lucky with us. Amen, sister. <laughs> exactly. There you go. There you go. And speaking of badass rocker chicks, uh, you're now signed to Joan Jett's label. That's right. Blackheart. Is yes. it called Blackheart? Blackhearts. Blackheart, Blackheart Heart Records. Blackheart Records. That's right. That she owns with her um, uh, manager, Kenny Laguna. And uh, the label is run by Kenny's daughter, Carrie Ann. Right. And it's just very close-knit family. You know, the cool thing about Joan was that she was turned down by like 18 labels. Mm-hmm. And then she made I Love Rock and Roll. It was yeah. like, ka-ching. So yeah. she knows what it's like to really be, uh, you know, ignored. And then to have, uh, to rise from the phoenix like a phoenix like from the ashes i mean that's true women you know the most marginalized in rock certainly uh when joan's coming up with you guys it's still like there's still a different uh way that to me it is like the marginalized sect of of rock is women you know it's changed a lot i'll give Mm -hmm. it that it really has it's very different now but but at the time that joan was coming up like uh it just seemed like everyone it was all hey little lady you know that that thing that happens like where no one believes that you came up with the idea that you wrote the song that you made the record that you carted your gear that you know what i mean it's always like oh sure they're just a front for like where's the guys behind the guys behind where's that yeah no so so it's really cool and inspiring seeing um women like you and l7 joan jett you know i think it has been for a lot of young girls throughout these last few generations watching like rock become totally okay with you know what I mean like it's okay to be a woman rocker and it's not like this hard toil as much anymore well you know it's it's weird like um it was it was always the gatekeepers who were the problem it wasn't our peers it wasn't it wasn't dudes in other bands really right I I never got any hostility from God you know unless they were just losers complete losers anyway but um it was sort of the suits the promoters the gatekeepers those kind of people you know the radio programmers those people were the were the big blocks it wasn't the fans it wasn't our peers uh I feel it like was, it's like that in every industry. Yeah. You know, it's just like totally. the, they're totally against any sort of innovation. This is our formula. This is what works. This is how we do it. And plug into here and you yeah. will, you know, and if totally it's gatekeepers against that, they're so important, like for them not to be that way it would open so much, many more avenues for those marginalized 
the artists, you know, the ones outside the margins, the ones that aren't fitting into the cookie cutter, you know. Wait, did you say gatekeepers are important? Yeah. In what in, way? In terms in, of them not being againsters for for innovative artists or left of center artists, but instead celebrating them going, okay, you don't fit the cookie cutter. Let's make a new one for you. You mean if they unlock the gate? If, yes. If yes. the gatekeepers exactly. unlock. Yes. Okay, okay. Yes. Right, if they're gatekeepers and not just gate closers. <laughs> there you go. Right? A gatekeeper is, yeah. you know, you open the door, or you, yeah. you know. It's, usher in. That's right. You usher in. You And uh, so, oh. you know, it, it's interesting because now, like L7, uh, even though we're from the art punk scene and we're punk rockers at heart and we're artists, you know, uh, where we get the love is from heavy metal festivals and punk rock festivals, which is so weird. And like, we're the only pussy on those shows. And, you know, we want to start charging a pussy premium uh, because like we're the only women on these metal festivals, you know, it's it's and they need us. Right. They need us because right. otherwise they're viewed as these big pigos. And it's like, okay, if you guys aren't pigos, you know, you better get more women on your festival. And mm-hmm. uh, so it's just interesting that we are welcome at those festivals. And yet some of the kind of the, the precious art darling festivals, we, we don't get the invite to. So it's kind of interesting that we're not um, with the with those kids. Mm-hmm. Which is where we feel we are very much from. Right. It's just a, it's just an odd thing. Yeah, you say you're from the art punk scene. I would say like Mark Mothersbaugh was kind of shared that too, right? He was from the art punk scene with Devo, um, and and that doesn't necessarily line up with sort of like L seven hard rocker. Like you wouldn't know that no. if you hadn't told me that. No. And it may, and I love to hear that it was almost like an art project to go heavy for you. Like it, you, it kind of you was. made a choice to do yeah. that. I mean, our friends were either in like new wave bands or like art, art wave bands or doing cabaret shows or doing all kinds of these projects. Um, yeah. And your influences or you were saying you were listening to like the B-52s and the Ramones. Like, yeah, it wasn't like it wasn't hard stuff, mm-hmm. you know, um, but it is very much a part of us too. Like v- yeah. Susie very much grew up on that, you know, and, mm-hmm. and um, so it's, it's, uh, but it was, it, there was so little hard rock going on in the punk scene that we were t- a total anomaly. Mm-hmm. And um, we, uh, would Melvin's fall in that category? I would say Melvin's would probably fall in that right. category. And Fugazi, too. would they fall in that category? I think Fugazi were from the hardcore scene, right? Hardcore. Okay. I think I think the Melvins were from uh, I don't know. Uh, definitely very the heavy. Me- whatever that's right. It's like yeah. a genre known as heavy, heavy, or heavy rock or whatever. Heavy rock is, uh, you know, it's like we don't do a lot of doodle 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 wanking on the right. guitar. We, you know, our, our, our solos are usually kind of melodic. So we've got like a heavy bed going on, but then like there's kind of melody within the riff or what have you. It's not just wanking. It's, it's, I call it like, we're like, Flintstones metal like we don't we're not virtuosos that is not what punk rock is to to us it's like it's it's taking what you've got and making it cool and that's what it is you Mm -hmm. don't need to be a virtuoso because if you needed to be a virtuoso to play music you know there would not be punk rock there would not be a lot of music so 
I think that that's really important for young women too. Mm-hmm. It used to be so intimidating to see dudes play guitar and it was yeah. just like, God damn, well shit, that'll take me years, you know? Mm-hmm. But then when punk rock came out, it was just like, wait a minute, that's not that, that doesn't look like rocket science. You know, it looks doable. Yeah. So that was so, what was so liberating about punk rock to begin with. Right on. Rad. You know what I mean? Yeah, Yeah. totally. Makes perfect sense. I mean, all music is really just 12 chords, but nobody knows that. Right. Because we do see dudes wanking with their... And, you know... flower in my hair. When you're Francisco. But right, I mean, I can see somebody play three chords and have more soul than somebody who's playing a ton of lead guitar and and it's just like I, I, I have nothing to grab onto mm-hmm. and yet somebody can Guilty pleasure Eddie Van Halen said it there I like Whoa. I like Eddie yeah, Van Halen totally but then I like all, Eddie and, Van Halen but then there's Stevie Ray Vaughan so there's like the you know I like him too I'm not I wasn't like I, want, I, like I wasn't saying like oh yeah I was just saying like you can be that talented and be that virtuoso yes and that soulful I agree. I'm not putting down studying music or becoming uh, fucking fantastic at it, at at, at that kind of, um, but to me, that's that's more of a skill than it is, it it, it can add to what you're doing or it can subtract from what you're doing. Too much of that stuff. And if you don't know what you're doing, then it's a, it's a taste thing. Yeah. If you, you know, a good song is a good song. It doesn't yeah. matter if it's three chords or. And a good still, lead is a good lead, exactly. whether it's three notes yeah. or a gazillion. Yeah, it's I like, agree. I totally agree. Right. That's why I like Ebo so much because it just vibrates a string and you can sound like you're doing a lead. I, I played short, for a short amount of time in a drop D punk band called Nux Vomica where I played Ebo guitar and nice. I was like all the melodic leads and it was so easy because it was just like. Ebo is that little, you yeah. know what it is, vibrates the strings. And, and I was like, whoa, I'm playing lead guitar. I mean, I do not know how to play guitar. So. Right. And yet it worked. Somehow it worked. And, Somehow it, and worked. it was super fun. Mm-hmm. It was so fun. Mm-hmm. So there is, like, like you said, there's an empowerment in realizing, like, oh, I can do this. I don't have to do it like, right. you know, yeah. Joan Jett or mm-hmm. Eddie Van Halen. Mm-hmm. But, True that. But that's really cool. Yeah. I'm so happy to, that this became part of the conversation. I think it's such an important, as you said, especially for young people and women, like to recognize that there is same sort of thing with the gatekeepers. Like there's no mold that you got to fit in in order to, you know, find a yeah. way to connect yeah. to other people, mm-hmm. audiences, etc. Well, and mm-hmm. it's also like, where do you put your pain? And art's the best place to to do that. And so I think anything that encourages young people to pick up a guitar and mm-hmm. put their pain in a song or shoot a movie with it or, you know, I think a lot of times culturally it's like take a pill, to, you know, you shouldn't feel pain. No, you should feel it, but you should make something beautiful from it because that's what makes art so transformative and that's what makes artists so important is they translate the pain, both collective and universal and our personal pain in a way that other people go, oh man, thank you. Like you wrote a song that totally speaks to what I went through and that's yeah. like to me what great songwriting is and great and great artistry. Like that's really the core of what moves, like makes me excited and what I think why we love to talk to artists like you who are doing it their ways. It's like, 
because it's not trying to follow a formula or, or get like people to love you just is the main thrust. It's more like, no, I need to put my stuff somewhere and I want to make something from it. And, um, I don't know. I go off on yeah, tangents. My you, apologies. If you start following something, um, you, you've already missed the boat. So it's kind of like you have to just kind of jump in and just try. And, you know, my sister gave me really great advice when I, when I was young. And she said, you know, you build confidence by doing it. Like, you know, and, and so it's like you do it. It sucks. Or you do it, it's okay, and then it gets better next time, and then it might suck again, and then it gets better. And so it's just, it's, uh, you know. Um, perseverance. Perseverance. Too, and, right? And, and just doing, doing it. it. Yeah. yeah. Just doing it. And that's, and sometimes that's the hardest thing, but it's actually kind of the easiest thing, too. So mm-hmm. if, you just, if you just put your head in the right space and just. Do it, and there are so many ways now to just record yourself, yeah. or film yourself, or do all this yeah. stuff uh, that was so difficult back in the day. Just yeah. to, you know, with an iPhone, you can do it all. Yeah, with an iPhone, you can do it all. <laughs> yeah. So well, and speaking of scatter the rats, uh, and you specifically saying it has so many meetings meanings because of all the rats, rats we is need in scatter all, that we need oh yeah nice um, uh, all the rats we need to scatter that on you guys <laughs> damn whoa sis <laughs> ow um is there something that you really champion and in, in that way in an activist sense um going on that's like one you know your favorite subject to like do something for like you know or the or the band or do you have anything that just like you know what i'm I'm really passionate about this and it might not look like saving the world with this or doing, you know, but we just like to ask every artist that comes on here if there's something that gets their soul kicking around giving back in some capacity and what that thing it might be. Well, um, you know, I would say that I feel like right now we're kind of in the situation where it's it's like, it's just gotta be, I mean, for me, I feel that it's all hands on deck for the environment. It's just, it's it's listen i've been an activist for for women's rights for years we l7 started rock for choice back in 1991 we had numerous benefit concerts raising hundreds of thousand dollars hundreds of thousands of dollars for the um feminist majority foundation uh to to defend clinics uh get security systems for for abortion clinics and uh legal fees and all that stuff and we were very involved in that and um we stepped away from that because interviews started being very focused on that subject and we were like look we're a band we've got to get back to you know so uh rock for choice continued continues to this day they haven't been doing much lately but um i just feel now that like you know it's just (laughs) everything just seems so dire with the environment stuff and uh you know i think all causes deserve attention um that just seems to me like the most you know oh there will be no fish in 20 years it's like wow okay you know like how how are we going to deal with that Mm -hmm. so hopefully we're going to be cloning things or something because (laughs) we can't seem to be saving the ones that exist so you know I don't know. Hopefully we'll be saving the DNA of things and we will truly be creating, uh, we will be playing God in, you know, what, 30 years? We're playing God already, right? It's, f- it's fucking weird. But um, 
So yeah, that's that's my Debbie awesome. Downer. No, for good. The day. We always like to get people to talk about their Debbie Downer. Thank you. <laughs> Um, you usually get to that at, towards the end of the interview and I was having anxiety that the en- interview was ending because I had all of these things that I wanted to ask. Ah, um, problem is, is listening to that slip my, it all just like, uh, slipped my mind there. Okay. We can take a pause here. Let's do a pregnant pause for the Let's environment. Let's do a pregnant pause. I'm going to look at. Oh, that's what I was going to ask. Okay. Um, didn't, isn't there a documentary? Yes. Um, oh on God. your band, L7, but also we're here with you. And so I wanted to know if there was any like solo situations that are taking place. Um, well, I, for kicks, uh-huh. have a uh, performance homage band that I play drums for. Ooh. And it's called Lou Man Group. <laughs> And we play Lou Reed covers in Blueface. Oh, my God. And also do... Um, brilliant. It is brilliant. I love that. It is Tell brilliant. me when you're playing. Yeah. I, I have to come. go. Well, here's the thing. My friend and I thought of this. He, he actually really thought of it, and I was his biggest supporter, but um, because he plays Lou, and um, he plays Lou Reed, and we do Velvet Underground covers and Lou Reed covers, and the whole thing was because... We realized that uh, um, uh, tribute bands make more money than real bands do. Like, like, so uh, we wanted. <laughs> you wanted a piece of the pie. We wanted corporate gigs, yeah. or like, or people who've got money, like a Pendulette. Hire Lou Man Group to play. <laughs> I don't know why I keep picking on Pendulette, but he's got money, right? So it's like. Hire Lou Man Group for your next party, and we will be great and destroy in a cool way. And uh, that's what the whole thing is about. So we have some Blue Man Group kind of antics, and yet also we are a real band. Do you wear bald caps? No. Okay, so just the face goes blue. Just the face goes blue, because I kind of dress like... Velvet Underground era. Right. Do you blue. put blue paint on your toms or cymbals or any of your drum kit? No, my look is a turtleneck, okay. wraparound glasses, mm-hmm. you know, dark, just very much like the Velvet Underground. Mm-hmm. And we each kind of have a different era of Lou Reed oh, cool. that we dress. So uh, I, I lucked out and got to be the Velvet Underground era of Lou. But um, that sounds so fun. It's really fun. That's awesome. It's really fun. And there are props involved usually handmade by me involving fluorescent paint and some other things and uh yeah so that's oh that was one more question from lauren rocket do you what other art art do you do besides music is there Lou man group okay there you go (laughs) um uh you know i uh i do a lot for l7 i um edit uh, co-edit our videos i cope co-direct our videos um do the artwork i wear i wear many hats in l7 uh because it's fun and quite frankly you know we're not on a big major label or anything like that there's not a huge team there's a small core group of our team and i enjoy art and uh visuals and so uh i I, i've designed a couple posters album artwork um etc etc so that's cool. That's that takes up my form. time. Yeah. You know. And the documentary, do we want to talk about that at all? 
Uh, the documentary is called L7 Pretend We're Dead. came out a couple years ago. And um, what's cool about it is that it was mostly shot by the band. So we had a cam, we were one of the few bands that had a camcorder back in the early 90s, late 80s. And so it's mostly our footage from that era. So it's like this weird time capsule uh, of that time before cell phones and you if you had to call the promoter you had to pull over the van at the truck stop and call them and get directions and all that stuff that um all that time forced to spend together as a band (laughs) with no distractions makes things really fun and really miserable and because there's no escaping each other and yet those are your best times ever because you all share these experiences of like, oh, my God, that creep. Remember that creep? Or, oh, my God, remember that? You know, so it, all that stuff. Um, there's so many distractions now for band members to just go in and hide in their headphones, in their cell phones. And there was no hiding back then. We were just in a van with ourselves and filming each other. So, uh, yeah, so it's pretty cool footage. Yeah, And then on top of it, we've got all this footage of other bands of that era. So I'd like to do something with that, too. Like, oh, here's Nirvana from the side of the stage. Here's Fugazi from the side of the stage. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we've got we've got uh, we filmed uh, quite a few of our peers that's as cool. well. Yeah, that's cool. L7's tour diary. Yes. Doc. That's right. Very cool. There you go. Should we all do it? Um, and I'm sure this has happened a thousand. Question has happened a thousand times. I oddly remember thinking about this very question probably 17 years ago, maybe on Gower and Larchmont, and I have no idea why. But I remember driving ba- past this like big lighting store right there and going, L7. I wonder. Besides for the visual, uh, the backwards visual, what what are we dealing with here? What 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 is it? Why did they name their band that? What does it all mean? What's it all about? What's it all about? Um, well, uh, L7 came about because we could not decide on a name. Uh, I, <laughs> you know, it was all these names that were coming in. It was like, oh, I don't know, no, 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 no. And um, I did not want a gender-specific name because every band at that time that had a female in it was, you know, the blah, blah, blahs or the da-da-da's, you know, and it was always very... And I really wanted people to hear us and not be able to tell what we were, you know. Um, male, female, in between, Martians. I, you know, I, I wanted it to be this kind of enigma. And so L7 sort of worked, you know. It, L7 is a... Um, and L and a seven is a square. So that's like, it was an old bebop turn for someone who was on hip, uh-huh. you know. So, uh, and then graphic, graphically, it looks great. Yeah, Turned it out to look great, you know. Yeah. Uh, we have a fabulous backdrop now that has our logo so huge that it just looks like this thick stamp on our backdrop. You know, it says mm-hmm. L7 in, the, in a circle and it just looks really I mean, it looks like it was very planned out, and it it wasn't. You know, it just we just kind of lucked out with it. Yeah, so. all the best things are like that. I feel like they're not too overthought. That's just like let's just try that, and then it's like whoa. Some people think it was um, a women's underwear size, L seven. Some people think it was lesbian seven. Some people, you know, right. Uh, but we'll take it. Sure, it means all that stuff. Right, large seven. It's kind of mm. the greatest thing I think in for me what I, in art is is 
other people's interpretation. That's right. It's so much more fun to hear than to talk or expound on like what it actually is even song lyrics like i'd rather not tell people what the song is about and then let them be like oh it must be about this or it must be you know sure that's what art is right and that's what makes it so great is that it is open to interpretation exactly and universal ideally yeah not so personal that you're like okay that's clearly only about them and i can't connect well, it's funny, too, because that song I mentioned, um, our, our title song from the album, Scatter the Rats, it was like, I did the first verse, and it was very, um, it, was, it was pretty literal about the, about the rats in the basement. And then Susie's verse was about um, the rats in the city, because she, she lives in East L.A., and she said that there are just rats, like, everywhere. And she's like, no, they're everywhere. And uh, and Jennifer took the last verse, and she took it very much in a political sense. So it's just kind of cool sure. just even throwing out, uh, just letting everybody kind of interpret it the way. Have you ever done want. that before, or was that a first? That was a first. Love it. Yeah, it was really cool. fun. We reunited in 2015, mm-hmm. and we're still milking this cow. And we will continue to milk this cow for as long as we can. And uh, we've been touring pretty much off and on the whole time. Great. And uh, But 2020, we're going to hit Australia again. Cool. And South America again. And Europe again. Yeah. Not bad. So great. It's really bitching. the world and elsewhere. It's bitching. Bitching ain't no bad. Right? Okay, one more question before we get to your launched artist. Um I ran across an article, I'm sure a lot of people did because it went viral, that said something to the effect of Danita Sparks wants the world to th- throw us a fucking bone or something like that. The industry, like that. I think. Yeah, really the industry. It, it was the, yeah, Thank it, you, Summer. It, it was the uh, entertainment industry in the sense of like, we're getting, uh, over the years, and in, in particular, uh, I'd say the last 10 years or so, uh, we've been getting... Um, a lot of cultural nods from filmmakers, from uh, you know characters based on us. There's a there's a film called uh, Her Smell that um, is said to have been partially inspired by L7, the character played by Elizabeth Moss. Um, and uh, there's been a couple scenes in movies of um, a girl throwing a tampon, which I'm kind of famous for doing that years ago. You know. Uh, with an L7 poster in the background, which uh, is all great. Yeah. But that doesn't, <laughs> they're, they're, you know, it, what would be really great is if, is if we got our, our music in uh, a film or in a television show or what have you, or on a commercial, you know, uh, that, that's, what, that's how you can really give us a, a nod because that stuff pays. Mm-hmm. And so it's wonderful to be an influence and it's wonderful that uh, you know we are inspiring to other art projects. That's amazing. That's a huge, huge compliment. Um, but throw us a fucking bone. But throw us a fucking bone. Right. Because, Got it. You know what I mean? That's what that was because about. Because it's okay. like our contemporaries sold millions of records, a lot of them. Mm-hmm. We were dealing with sexism from radio stations, from like, you know, morning shock jocks who wouldn't play chick rock. And it was part of their misogynistic shtick. And it was like, we seriously did get 
along with some uh, some other gals, blocked from radio airplay. Whereas our the dudes that we were with, some of them became you know sold millions and millions of records because they got on the radio. Mm-hmm. So um, if you if you love L seven out there and you've got some kind of clout in the biz. Throw us a fucking bone, because we would really appreciate it, because we're hungry. Ow! Right? Yeah, right on. All right. Cool. There we go. Take it away, Sam. Sam? I'm Sam now? <laughs> some. Because I play piano. Take it away, My name some. Is some. Oh, okay. Take it away, some. Um, oh, Hi, Miss. So, Hi. So happy to be sitting across from you. <laughs> um, wondering who you have brought for our uh, audio pleasure uh, today, who you are launching here on on Launch Left? I am launching, even though they've been around for a couple of years now. Okay, that's um, not a problem. They are a Brooklyn band called Surfboard, and uh, B O R T. Yes, S U R F B O R T. Got it. I had the same reaction when I first heard their name, Surfboard. What the? Uh, but they're really cool, and um, it's it's. Older dudes from Texas meet a younger gal from California. They're all artists living in Brooklyn, and <laughs> that is the band. Love it. And um, they're very cool, and I like them because there's a, uh, an enthusiasm for political cultural statements along with equal shares of having fun. And there's, very a, important. there's an urgency to her voice and her whole trip that's really great and yet she they're they're all really great dress, dressers they've got great style um, they uh, they just throw it down in a really cool way and uh, so surfboard is is my launch band that's man so cool Thank and you. do you have a specific song in mind surfboard has an album out called friendship music and uh, it's on Cult Records, I guess, and it's it's really good. And I highly recommend High Anxiety, which is the first opening track. Just fabulous. Sweet. Hi, I'm Danita Sparks from the band L7, and I'm here to launch Surfboard with their song High Anxiety off of their album, Friendship Music. Fuck you, motherfucker. What time is the sound check? Uh, check the email, dog. It was at five. Fucking move, you fucking asshole. Heavy traffic reported ahead. Heavy traffic reported ahead. Alex, will you reach in my bag and have me my smokes, please? Heavy traffic. Come on, move! No, turn that, turn that shit down. down! Turn it down! Turn it down! Turn it down. Yeah. 
anxiety, depression, regression, hypertension, fatigue, addiction, compulsion, binging, purging, wasting, hep C, COPD, apnea, HIV, bulimia, anemia, anorexia, thin penis, shingles, jingles, jangles, got you down? Do you hate your government? Left aims to create an intentional space that highlights and empowers all artists for whom radical creativity is not a choice but a necessity. Launch Left begins with music, but its ultimate aim is to launch left of center artists in all creative fields.